Finally, the FIFA World Cup, Qatar 2022, is here with us. It is the 22nd edition, the greatest gathering in world football. Wherever you're tuning in to listen to this podcast, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to the FIFA World Cup podcast and wherever you are listening to this podcast from whether you are in the USA on the African continent in the Americas Asia Europe and Oceania welcome to your most exciting informative and educative sports show on the calling platform also available on Apple Podcasts Google Podcasts and on Spotify with yours truly Philip Alimo and I've got immense love for sports. On today's episode, we'll be looking at the group stage round one games of the ongoing FIFA World Cup. We've been building up to the showpiece. And today is here with us. It's been a week since the opening ceremony took place in Doha. And first, before... I will be picking the opinion of my regular guest and colleague, Justin. I want to take this one from Morgan Freeman during the opening ceremony of the 22nd edition of the FIFA World Cup. Join us. 
So that was the opening ceremony of the 22nd edition of the FIFA World Cup taking place in Qatar, Doha specifically. Justin, what has been your impression so far of the Mundial? Good evening and thanks for having me. Um, I think for me, my impressions have been quite um, indifferent. Um, I've been seeing some good football some better some some better um some better football too as well like as in you see how now everyone is probably not scared of the so-called favorite and everyone is actually taking the game to their opponents apart from a few teams who have learned how to prioritize the the, the defensive compactness over um um the attack so then i think that it's been it's been an indifferent world cup it's, it's been a mix of everything and I just want the World Cup to show more and actually do more than it has done um till now because the because the number of stalemates that we've had, the zero zeros that we've had have already surpassed the number of zero zeros we had in the twenty eighteen edition. So I would like to see more of the attacking football. Definitely and uh, speaking of stats, I know you've been grossly involved with uh, uh, issues with data and statistics as far as the mundial is concerned if you could walk our audience through in terms of the number of goals number of goals conceded and everything that our audience need to know that would be very good well um i think that we could start from the number of goals that were scored in the 16 games 41 um that's uh that's quite a good number of goals, even though there were four zero zeros in this first round, and twenty five of them came from four matches. Um, also, the African, the okay, so this stats is for the African teams. The African teams had fifty three shots between them, fifteen on target and two goals, which came from only one country. That is the Ghana Black Stars. Um, the there have been there have been a good number of um top goal scorers from round one, all on two goals. Um Bukayo Saka of England, Anna Valencia of Ecuador, Olivier Giroud of France, Ferran Torres, um Medita Remy of Iran, and also Richarlison of Brazil. Um and after the first round, the teams the players with the most assists were only two, they were tied. Um, that was Harry Kane of England as well as Bruno Fernandes of Portugal. The most chances created in a game from the first round of games was from Antoine Griezmann. That was six chances created against the Australian team and also Ericsson who created, who created five chances against Tunisia in which the game ended in a stalemate. Uh, the most shots on targets were from Lionel Messi and Gundogan, who were tied for first with three shots on targets each. The most dribbles were actually from two players. That was Mohamed Kudus of Ghana and Heaven Lozano of Mexico. And both of them had four dribbles completed. But Kudus has a higher completion rate. That was 66.67%. The most interceptions were um, were from Simon Kier and Al-Sharani of Saudi Arabia, the recoveries, the most recoveries from round one was from Nico Elverdi of Switzerland, as well as Luka Modric of 
Croatia. So those are a few number of stats that I have. And as we all know, Spain scored the most goals in the first round. That was a seven-goal um, routes against the Costa Ricans. That was last. That happened just last week. So those are the kind. Those are the number of a few number of stats that I have for the audience so far. Definitely, those are very impressive uh, stats. But so far, uh, out of the sixteen games, uh, we'll take from Group A to H. Uh, first for Group A, which of the games have impressed you? Well, I just think that for me, I I was I was I was interested to see how the Qataris were going to were going to approach the game due to how good they did or how well they did at the Arab Cup. But then it was it was it was not to be as Felix Sanchez prioritized more of um, more of a defensive um, nature. With the with the five back, that was quite unusual because they were they were very open and they tried to take on they tried to take on teams in the Arab Cup, so it was quite confusing. But then you could tell that um, the Ecuadorians were up to the task and they just did well to kill the game as quickly as possible in the first half, and they just um, played and they just took their foot off the game in the second half. So for me, that was. That was that was a more that was a more interesting game for me from that group. And uh, what do you make of the African champions Senegal uh, taking on the Netherlands and eventually losing out almost about ten minutes to the end of the game? Uh, some people are of the opinion that Senegal's game management leaves a lot to be desired. What do you make of that? Well, I just feel like Ali Sisi um, made a lot of um, very questionable decisions. Even though they had to fill the void of Sadio Mane, um, you you had an Ismail Assar who has been most impressive for club and country on the right, and he started on the left. And I think for for you to put Sar against Denzel Dumfries, it did it, even though it was quite effective. It would have been more effective to play someone. A left back like Daily Blaine, who isn't as young as he used to be, and who doesn't have that much uh, energy to cope with the kind of intensity that Ismail Assar would have placed there. And even with the with the choice of the striker, um, after Bula Idea was taken off, someone like Famara Diedu for me has been a very very um, very very consistent player even since the African Cup of Nations and he really helped Senegal in terms of um, winning the 50-50 draws uh, in the air and giving them knockdowns for the attack to be able to be effective so that that, that element of attack from Ali Sisi was also missing and also to leave out a player like Eleman Ndiaye of Sheffield United who was very very impressive who has been impressive for me this season, he plays in a two-top um, for Sheffield, but he's a player who can, who is quite versatile and has a lot of intensity in terms of his runs and his positioning. He was someone who was really missed, and I think that those changes, those if those changes would have been made, Senegal would have been able to leave with even a point or three. And I and 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 for me, it was it was just sad to also see um, Edward Edward Mendy's parry on that second goal and it was it wasn't it wasn't up to his usual standard so i think that senegal 
weren't that impressive and they they they've eventually bounced back but against the dutch i didn't i, I, I didn't like what i saw definitely for group b did you like what you saw in group b well um england england played england played as i expected um for me uh i think that carlos Queiroz should have been a bit more open because when he went for the five back it just placed a lot of pressure on them in the opening in the in the um in the opening part of in the opening part of the um, tournament and even 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 with that that caused the that caused the un- unfortunate injury of their keeper um their hero from 2018 so then you could tell that he had he had he had conceded possession and then the english were just very impressive from Trippier to Shaw to Mason Mount in the left pocket um right behind Harry Kane um uh Raheem Sterling was good and Bukayo Saka always took his man on because he knew that with the kind of confidence he had built from um the English Premier League um he was he was just on fire and I and I feel like England were quite amazing against the Iranians so yes I really like what I saw from Iran in that game. Hey, sorry, England in that game. What are your assertions for Wales and the USA who are who also share the same group with for me England and Iran? Sorry. So for me I think that I think that the Welsh the Welsh are the Welsh are a good team. They are for me. I think that when they are known to be the favorites, they do not perform well, and they do perform well when they are known as the underdogs. And they didn't they didn't have such a good half in the first half against the um, the Americans because you could tell that the Americans were playing well, and the Welsh didn't have a focal point up there. And with the with the inclusion of Dan James, it was quite difficult for the Welsh people to take possession. But once Dan James came off for Kiefer Moore, Kiefer Moore is a bigger striker, he's a target man, he involves people into play. And with that three four three change that was done, everything just changed um, for the Welsh in the second half. And the Americans were on the back for the whole game um from the from the from the second half to the end and eventually the Welsh were able to win a penalty. And, and and they were able to get a point from it. So I think that it was a game of two halves, as as you could see. And then I just think that the one one draw was deserved. And maybe if the game had gone on for a bit, the Welsh could have taken a point. One Three game points. one game that left us all astonished and surprised across the the globe was Lionel Messi's Argentina taking on Everiness Saudi Arabia with Saudi Arabia stunning World Cup favorites Argentina and current Copa American champions by two goals to one. And uh, to give our audience a bit of background about the Saudi Arabian coach Everina. Everina in 2008 was the assistant coach for the Black Stars of Ghana when Ghana played at hosted the 2008 African Cup of Nations. In 2012, he was the coach for the Chipolopolos of Zambia. 
and led Zambia to their first ever African Cup of Nations title by beating Ivory Coast in the final that year. In 2015, again, he went on to win the African Cup of Nations with Ivory Coast this time, beating Ghana in the finals via penalties. And he became the first coach to win the African Cup of Nations with two different nations. In 2018, he led the Atlas Lions of Morocco to the World Cup for the first time in 20 years. And since 2019, he's been coaching in Saudi Arabia. And indeed, on the 22nd of November 2022, he led Saudi Arabia to beat Lionel Messi's Argentina by two goals to one, which will be described as one of the greatest upsets in the history of world football and in the history of the FIFA World Cup. Mr. Kowa, what do you make of this? Um, I think that credits to Saudi Arabia, they were defensively sound. They they were they were a team who, who I thought would have been pushovers after Lionel Messi has scored the penalty. But then they were they were a team who also held their own very, very well because you could tell that they were holding the they were holding their high line very, very religiously. Even though, even though um, Argentina managed to score two goals that were adjudged offside, they were still holding their own in that position, and they were playing high. And they actually condensed the middle so much that Messi didn't have didn't have a lot of time to be able to perform. But then, looking at it from the Argentine, looking at it from the Argentine. Um, perspective it's it's been it's been quite um a very very um different or very very uh up and down up and down a turbulent um preparation for scaloni because um before before argentina formed this unbeaten run on the left hand side of their play they had giovanni los Celso as well as nico gonzalez and then these two players were these two players were ones who were able to help them reinforce their attacks or help them build up from the um from the um middle phase of play into the attacking phase of play and with nico gonzalez his pace to run in behind it and and, and also stretch defenses too were very helpful but then scaloni um scaloni saw that he, um nico gonzalez as well as um joaquin correa were suffering from a lot of discomfort because they were they all came back from injuries and they just didn't seem to be a hundred percent so they had to be dropped and Alejandro Papu Gomez was the one who was played on the left and made and actually made their style of play very very quite difficult because Alejandro Gomez is older he's not he's not as young as or, or as um, or as mobile as he used to be he's more of a playmaker who does not move a lot and who cannot stretch who cannot stretch um, their style of play as well as Nico Gonzalez does. So then this is something that bothers Scaloni's um, build-up play a bit. And he made it one-sided, which the ball was always on the right because it was it was from Molina to Locelso, um, Molina to Rodrigo De Paul to Messi and then to Angel Di Maria. So then there was, there, there was that, there was no reliance on the, left-hand side 
for the for them to build up from there, and that made them very very predictable, and made it made the Saudi Arabians, it made the Saudi Arabians very alert, and they just had to concentrate on that and defend quite well. And for me, it was it was an um, it was an amazing performance from them. They put their bodies on the line, and they got their well deserved three points at the end of the game. One game that also ended in stalemate was Mexico Poland. It ended zero zero. Your brief assertions on that game. Well, um, watching that game, you just saw how or the reasons why Poland Poland do not really go far, or they they are not able to impact um, tournaments now because of the insufficient in, the insufficient. Uh, creation or feeding of Robert Lewandowski because if it's not um, Piotr Zielinski of Napoli feeding Lewandowski you, you hardly see any kind of service for Robert Lewandowski and for me I think that it was a very flat performance from the Polish but then you could you could also see the resilience with the Mexicans with which they, they defended quite well and also not forgetting the heroics of heroics of um, a very very memorable keeper who uh, every four years actually shows up on the highest on the highest um, stage possible and gives his all. That's Guillermo Ochoa, and for me, he did well in saving Lewandowski's penalty to keep it at zero zero. Another game, which was the second game that ended in a stalemate and in a goalless draw, was Group D's opener Denmark Tunisia. And remember, Group D also has defending world champions France they beat Australia by four goals to one and uh, for me I should say uh, France in this group have impressed me uh, Justin uh, which team have impressed you the most in Group D briefly well I think I, I think that it is the French because you can tell that the case of the champions isn't really hovering over their heads they are just coming here to do their business even though they've suffered a lot of losses in every part, in every department of their team, um, you could you could you could look at you could look at the the, the goalkeeping position as they lost Mike uh, Manyan to a long term injury. Also, Pogba Kante, um, they lost Christopher Nkunku as well as Karim Benzema. Now they lost um, uh, Lucas Hernandez as well. So then, I f I feel like the case for the champions, which is something that people know that it happens, hasn't happened to them and. You can tell that Mbappe, Mbappe, um, Giroud, as well as Griezmann, especially for me, he's been one of the best players this tournament. They've held their own and just gotten the wins that they, they need to actually progress out of the group. Group E, as Germany, Japan, Spain and Costa Rica. Germany lost 2-1 to Japan and the two goal scorers for Japan plied their trade in the German Bundesliga. Uh, Justin, what are, what do you make of that game between the Japanese and the Germans? Well, I think that the problems that Germany were suffering from four years ago, that is not being able to cope with transition, attacking transitions from the opponents are still very, very, are still very, very existent um, currently. And as you could see, 
as uh, as you could see as um when when the Japanese made changes when they brought on Karu Mitoma of um, Brighton and Hove Albion as well as Ritsu Doan um they were they were they, they actually had they actually had the upper hand because they just had to defend quite well in their box and also break and, and also hit hit the Germans on the break. And and then you could tell that it was very, very obvious because when um Dyson Maeda went off, they pushed um Daichi Kamada up front um also involved Ito a lot and just put Mitoma on the left and you know if Mitoma is on the left and and you've seen the thread that he has shown to a lot of oppositions in the Premier League with his dribbling and his pace. Um, you could tell that he's a very dangerous player, and that's and that happened and that happened on two occasions or three occasions that even though Noya came, even though Noya came to the rescue, he couldn't keep out everything. And then I think that the Japanese took their chances quite well, and the Germans were unlucky because they also missed a ton of chances, probably created better chances than the Japanese but then you know that the tournament tournament football doesn't favor the one who plays the best football but it favors the one who is more ruthless in front of goal. And one team that has been very ruthless in front of goal is the Spanish team uh, uh, the Spanish uh, uh, team this this in this year's World Cup. They beat and spanked Costa Rica by seven goals to nil. What was your highlight of that game? For me, my highlight of the game was when the lineup came out. So when when he had paired Rodri with Americ Laporte in um, at centre back because because um, I think that I, I, um, I think that everyone was confused as to why Rodri and um, Rodri was playing there and not in central defensive midfield in place of Busquets. But I think one of the explanations that they came out was. They feel like they will dominate possession a lot and they need players who would be able to touch the ball more than a hundred times from centre back, which is Rodri and Laporte. And actually when it came out, both of both of these players touched the ball or passed the ball more than a hundred and ten times during the game. So ap- apart from that, apart from that, um you could you could tell that what they plan to what they plan that um they, they were they were trying to achieve. Yeah, they actually had it, and also good stuff from Pedri as always. He's been he's been just showing up since he arrived at Barcelona, and that's that form has translated into national team football. And you can see that you can see Luis Enrique's hundred um, percent trust in um, in Gavi and Gavi and Pedri in that midfield to to also dictate play. And for me, I think that giving these two young players. This kind of exposure is 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 just going to solidify Spain's midfield options for years to come in national, in international tour. Group F uh, recorded the third uh, stalemate of the tournament, which ended in a goalless draw: Morocco, Croatia, zero zero, and Belgium beating uh, uh, Canada, who are making the appearance at the World Cup. Uh, their second appearance in uh, for the first time in so many years. Uh, what for you caught your attention in this particular group? Hello, Justin. 
sorry, sorry. I am sorry, I admitted. So I am um, what I was saying was you know um the Croatians will show up with their midfield trio, that's Marcelo Brozovic, um covers it as as well as Luka Modric. But then if you have a combative player like Sofian Amrabat um in this Moroccan side, you know that you are you are you are going to win a lot of draws with, with which I sh- with which you could tell that they were actually winning them a lot. You could see Hakimi, you could see Hakimi also pegging um Bona Sosa um of Croatia at the back. Um in the first half, Hakim's yek was also he was he was also something else who was creating quite a lot of good chances. And you could you you could see you could see that the momentum was swinging from team to team. But then unfortunately no one could score but I would I would also credit um this centre back um Nayef Aged of West Ham, who for me is probably one of the best centre backs in um in world football currently. He's very composed, he's a very robust tackler and he knows how to distribute the ball from the back as well. And looking at that, I I think that Morocco holding on to Croatia was a very, very good result. Watch the Belgium Canada um even Roberto Martinez said that they were the second best team in all facets of the pitch. Um, they weren't doing well enough defensively. They weren't able to cope with the pace of um, um, Tejon Buchanan of Canada, as well as Alfonso Davis Jr. Hoyler, who was also giving them headaches in the wide areas because the, Can- the Canadians made sure they actually stretched it a lot. They actually stretched their attack a lot and also made it very um, very difficult for the aging defensive line of Belgium to be able to cope and I and for me I think that it was hard luck that the Canadians couldn't win the game but or as I said you need to be ruthless in these tournaments but then I think that the Canadians gave a good account of themselves returning to the World Cup after a long period of time out of definitely another team that that that, that are in the World Cup They've always, they, they were in the last edition, and this particular group, Group G, apart from Cameroon, it is a reflection of the same group that played at the last World Cup in 2018, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Switzerland beating Cameroon by a lone goal, courtesy Mbolo. Mbolo was born in Yaoundé and uh, later moved to Switzerland with his mother his father still lives in cameroon and his goal was in fact his debut goal at the world cup for me my best goal of the tournament so far was scored by tottenham's richardson as they beat serbia by two goals to nil what do you make of that group well i think i think that um another african team who were who were quite scared to go forward um at the end they actually decide to try and show some attacking some attacking metal um, and I think that it was unfortunate they weren't able to get a goal but I believe that I, I believe that the Cameroonians also gave a good account of, of themselves by only which I think they were only lacking just at a few places. I think that's what most of the African teams have lacked. That's the the way to the way to just score a goal or create a good chance because the defenses and midfields have been quite solid. Maybe barring a few mistakes, a few mistakes one or two, but I know you cannot be really perfect in a whole game. With which 
for me that was what was that that was what punished that was what punished the Cameroonians. A very very good cutback and a very very great finish from Lilembolo. But then for me, focusing on the probably the most impressive team in the World Cup for me after round one, that's the Selecao of of Brazil. They played a game with which they they were constantly um um haunting this Serbian team. This Serbian team have been a team that have developed and also they are better than what they what they were last four years ago. They they have better players now and probably better attackers. This same team put the Portuguese in second place because of because of how well they go forward and how solid they are overall. So I believe that the Brazilians had probably the best performance considering the opponents they faced um uh, in in Serbia because the Serbians are no pushovers. They are very very solid team from the back to the midfield um, with um, Sergei Milenkovic Savic as well as Alexandra Mitrovic. So I think that they were very very impressive. Neymar, uh, Neymar, you know he was running things. You could you could see could see the influence of Casemiro, could see the influence of Paqueta. Um, a very very I think that it would have been a cricket score if Rafinha was probably more clinical in front of goal. Vinicius Jr., dangerous as always, always taunting or always torturing his opponents on the opposite wing. And I think that he was an amazing person. Um, even Alan Shera commented on how Richarlison was playing. He the first goal was the first goal was a striker's goal, a very, very good goal. He was in the right place at the right time and he he, he kept on moving and 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 he actually found the best the best position to score. So I really I really feel like Richarlison was great. And that second goal, probably the goal of the tournament, a very, very beautiful finish. Um on he took the ball one time and actually fired the ball with a bicycle kick into the into the net. I just hope that Neymar and Danilo would would be able to recover and we would see more of them for the Brazilians. Group H had Uruguay uh, drawing 0-0 with South Korea and Portugal beating the Black Stars of Ghana by three goals to two. I must say the Ghana-Portugal game was very exciting. And uh, it's Ghana uh, are the first African side to have scored in this particular uh, uh, World Cup. They scored two goals, courtesy Andre Ayew and Osman Bukhari, who pulled Cristiano Ronaldo's uh, uh, iconic sweet celebration uh, in that game. Uh, Justin, I know uh, you will be a bit biased with the Black Stars and you can go on and on with them, but uh, just in a few sentences, what are your sessions of that game? Well, I think that it is quite simple. I think that Otoado Otoado um should be should should be able to manage the games better in terms of the changes that he makes. And he should also he should also he should also let his players play with a bit of freedom if if they are trying to counter attack because it just felt like the system was rigid and the game, even though it ended three two, the first half was quite the first half was very, very one sided with which the Ghanaians were suffering and I think that if you defend if you defend that much, 
and 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 then you start conceding you tend to lose a bit of the mental edge with which it was clear that you could see ghana losing and then in the second half a series of individual mistakes caused the Ghanaians to actually lose the game and i think that it was a game of small margins and being unlucky in in some occasion but i think that it was a very very good showing to um from from group H in, in in terms of that game probably the most exciting game apart from um argentina saudi arabia as well as um, brazil serbia so i just hope that ghana black stars will be able to win their second game on monday definitely and uh for the purposes of our audience this is your most educative and informative podcast available on apple Podcasts, spotify google Podcasts, and also on the calling platform i want to run you through the stats as far as the 32 squad uh, uh, teams are concerned with their 26-man squad so andres nopet who stands at 203 centimeters is the tallest player at the tournament the netherlands number 23 is followed by two fellow goalkeepers sebius vanja who stands at 202 and Courtois, who is 200 centimeters tall of belgium australian defender harry is 198 centimeters tall and is the tallest outfield player the biggest gap between opposing players in a fifa world cup game this century was the was the 39 centimeters separating serbia and montenegro giant Nikola Zigic and Cote d'Ivoire's Bakari Kony at Germany 2006. Yet another interesting stat to note in this World Cup is an unprecedented 163 of the 831 participating players are based in the English Premier League. That is 19.6 percent almost double any other championship with la liga next on 86 the english top flight had a russia 2018 high of 124 of the 736 players take who took part in the russian 2018 world cup which comes to 16.9 percent remember this year the player usually is 23 players who are called up to play for the teams at the world cup this year three has been added to we have 26 uh, 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 players representing their national teams and cristiano ronaldo has 117 international goals to his name astonishingly more than the entire 26 month squads 15 other nations have collectively australia cameroon ecuador ghana japan korea republic morocco the netherlands saudi arabia senegal serbia spain tunisia usa and wales yet another record or stats very important that we need to note is alfredo de la vera will be 40 years and 63 days when the tournament gets underway making him the oldest player in Qatar 
the Mexico goalkeeper could become just the eighth man to play in the World Cup in his 40s after Dino Zoff, Pat Jennings, Peter Shilton, Rojamila, Ali, Bongel, Mondragon, Esam Eldari, Talavera is followed on the age order by five 39-year-olds. That is Canada's Atiba, Portugal centre-back Pepe, Japan goalkeeper Kawashima, Brazil right-back Dani Alves, and Netherlands goalkeeper Pazve. Atiba of Canada, Pepe and Kawashima could become the second oldest outfield player in World Cup history, a distinction that belongs to Angel Labruna due to his run out against Czechoslovakia in 1958 after Roger Miller. Qatar and Saudi Arabia are the only two nations with all 26 players based in their domestic league. England, the only to fulfill this criteria at Russia 2018, have been denied a repeat by the inclusion of Borussia Dortmund midfielder Jude Bella, Bellingham. Jude Bellingham. And Yusuf Mokoko could become the youngest player at the tournament. The German forward will turn 18 the day Qatar 2022 gets underway. So he's already 18 and will play for Germany at any point. He played in in their, in, 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 their, in their first game against the Japanese and definitely has surpassed Christian Eriksen and has become the second youngest European to appear in the FIFA World Cup behind Norman Whiteside, who was 17 years and 41 days when he played against Yugoslavia at the 1982 World Cup. Mukoko will be one of six 18-year-olds at Qatar 2022. They are Garan Kool of Australia. He's already made his debut. He's also the youngest to have played for Australia. And Bennett, Bilal, and Abdul Fatal Isaku. Abdul Fatal Isaku plays for Sporting Lisbon and with the Black Stars of Ghana. Australian winger Daniel Azani at 19 years and five months was the youngest player at Russia 2018. Bayern Munich with 17 players are the best represented club at Qatar 2022. The Bavarians are represented in the squads of Cameroon, Canada, Croatia, France, Germany, Morocco, the Netherlands, Senegal, Barcelona, and Manchester City will have 16 players apiece at the tournament. 10 Russian 2018 winners made France squad for the defense of their crown. Alphonse Arello, Osman Dembele, Olivier Giroud, Antoine Griezmann, Lucas Hernandez, Hugo Lores, Steve Madanda, Kylian Mbappe, Benjamin Pavan, Rafael Varan, and Vicente Delboski took 16 of Spain's South Africa 2010 squad winners 
to the next World Cup, while nine of Germany's Brazil 2014 Congress were present at the next edition. And Thomas Muller is the player with the most goals to his name at the Mundial. He's got 10 goals in the history of the World Cup. He's followed by Cristiano Ronaldo, who has 10. Luis Suarez, 7. Hurricane, 6. Lionel Messi, 6. And Neymar, 6. Four men have been included in the World Cup squad for a record equaling five times. They are Andres Gardado, Lionel Messi, Ochoa, Cristiano Ronaldo, and Antonio, Lut Antonio Lutamatias and Rafa Marquez are the only other men to have made their nation's World Cup squad on five different occasions. Uh, Justin, before we wrap up, what are your sessions of this trivia that we just outlined? It just it just shows that it just shows that we are um, the World Cup WW way more records to come and we just need to wait and see how old maybe someone like Cristiano Ronaldo plays. You may never know he may feature he may feature in the twenty twenty six World Cup as well. So we are just waiting to see which records will be broken soon enough. Definitely. And uh, we are wrapping up with uh, today's edition of the FIFA World Cup show where we looked at the group stage round one games. And uh, as we look out and prepare for round two, uh, what are your final thoughts? Well, I just hope I just hope that I just hope a Ghanaian or oh, an African, sorry, an, an, an African team will qualify from the group stages so um we could have we could have as much we could have as much joy um as the other continents because uh, now the AFC the AFC um the AFC representatives have more wins than us which shows that we are the continent to have the least wins and the least goals from the World Cup so far. So anything for in anything significant for any African representative would make me very happy. Definitely. On this note, it's been a pleasure coming your way with today's episode of the FIFA World Cup show. We will sign out with John Cook from BTS Performance Dreamers at the FIFA World Cup opening ceremony.
around, now look at me. Respect and love the only way. If you wanna come, come with me. The door is open now every day. There's one plus two grand. Cause we can see it, it's through the world. 